You know, I'm wondering if that's why we're all here, because we do want to see Jesus. We want to understand him and uh, have a clear picture of who he is, and that's why we're in this series that we're calling Jesus on Jesus, and looking at the I am statements that are found in John's gospel. Um, you might be familiar with this word persona. Your persona is how people see you. Uh, sometimes uh, that is just superimposed on us by other people based on our career or our social media or the clothes we wear, or whether we have tattoos or piercings or whatever. I mean, our look can give off a persona that people label. And then other times it's more calculated. We're, we're intentionally presenting a persona to people. The truth is, many times what our persona is and who we really are is vastly different. Like, for instance, I know that many of you, just by my public presence up here, you perceive me as this super tender-hearted, Hallmark movie-loving guy. <laughs> you know, um, well, actually, I am. But, you know, the one Hallmark movie <laughs> I really love is that one where there's this girl in this small town, and she's recently gone through a, broke, a breakup or a divorce. Sometimes she has a child. And then this mysterious, good-looking guy, Josh Duhamel type with abs, shows up. And Sep, he's got, like, he's got some problems, and he's a little isolated. And any time to interact in the movie, you know, they're just, those two are never getting together. And then they do. Have you seen? Oh, that's all of them. That's all of them. Okay, I digress. But um, actually, I just want it to be known that uh, I cry every time I watch It's a Wonderful Life and Moana. So somewhere in here, there is a heart. But that's not my point. You see, um, in these I am statements that we've been looking at, I am the resurrection. I am the bread of life. Um, I am the good shepherd. In many cases, what Jesus is doing is he's pushing back against what his persona has become. And, and, and at the very least, he's filling in gaps of how people understood him. And nowhere is that more true in the I am statement that we're looking at today, which is in John's Gospel, chapter 14, where Jesus says this, I am the way. I am the way. Now, I want to let you know that today we really have like three segments to my talk today. There's, first of all, we're going to look at the context that Jesus said this in because it's important to place it there and understand why he said that and some of the, the part of the situation that he was surrounded with that triggered this statement. And then we're going to pull a couple of observations out of that. And then we're going to talk about how people then and today respond to this statement, I am the way. And then I just have two questions. So that sounds like a lot, but I, I want to let you know that the first part is longer, the middle part is a lot shorter, and the end is really short. So it's like, it's like a roller coaster ride. You know, like when you get on, the ride is clack, 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 and it just takes forever. And then there's like this really fun part, and then there's one last little zoom. That's, that's our sermon today. So if you're... <laughs> So don't, all that to say, don't get disheartened about how long it takes to go through the context. 
So just sit in it. It's in John's Gospel, chapter 14. Beginning in verse 1, Jesus is talking to his disciples. And he says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would not have told you. I would have told you. And I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me so that you also may be where I am. Now, likely you've seen some part of this passage before in a meme or at a memorial. It's like a very common passage of Scripture that brings comfort to people in times of crisis. You might be less familiar with what Jesus says in verse 4 after saying that there's this place. He says, you know the way to the place where I'm going. You already know this, the way. And you might be even less familiar with how Thomas and Philip respond to, to Jesus' statement, you know the way. First of all, Thomas, in verse 5, says, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Now, you know, Thomas is the doubter, right? And we have to give him some cred here, right? To being the first person who raises his hand and says, I don't, I don't really understand. I don't know the way. If you've ever been in a class where you didn't understand or, you know, in some situation where you had a question and you just didn't want to be the first person to raise your hand and go, uh, I don't know what you're talking about. That's what Thomas just did. And in fact, he kind of argues with Jesus. He's debating him. And he says, you know, uh, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? And it's then in verse 6 that Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And if you really knew me, you would know my father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Now, Thomas, having triggered and already broken the ice, now Philip is emboldened. And in verse 6, Philip says, Lord, if you'll just show us the father, that will be enough for us. So Thomas is saying, we don't know the way. And now Philip is like, well, we're really pursuing God the Father, and if you just show him to us, then we could get with the program, so to speak. And in verse 9, Jesus answered, Don't you know me, Philip, even after I've been with you such a long time, which is about three years here. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. And how can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? And the words I say to you are not just my own. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Jesus not only says that he is the way here, but he says to Thomas, if you really knew me, you would know my Father as well. And to Philip, he says, you, you still don't know me even after I've been with you so long. Now, in this context, there's a couple of things that become clear. First of all, um, I see some pain in this statement. In this discourse by Jesus, I see disappointment. 
And then I see that even though the 12 have been with him, they still don't get it. They still don't fully get it because basically their presuppositions about who Jesus would be, who the Messiah would be, was obscuring who he really was. Their persona of Jesus kept them from seeing the true Jesus. And you know, for centuries, scholars have reflected upon, based on like history and and the discourses that you see between the disciples and Jesus, like what were their presuppositions about Jesus? Simon, who was a zealot, certainly saw Jesus coming back to overthrow the Roman government. And you have crusty businessmen, and you have people who think that this is all about, uh, you know, money, like Judas. And then you have people that are hoping that Jesus restores the nation of Israel, and others feel like we're just going to overthrow everything. It's like they all have their presuppositions that cause them to miss the real Jesus. But thankfully today, we, you know, we're grateful that we don't have any of that, right? I mean, obviously, we all know whether Jesus would be a Republican or a Democrat, uh, you know, who he would have voted for, whether he would be, we know that whether Jesus would be for open carry or gun control, we know whether he would bomb Syria or not. We know how he would feel on the Black Lives Matter movement. We know whether he would be reformed or charismatic. We know whether he would be for regulation or the free market entirely. We know whether he would be a capitalist or he would be labor-friendly. We know whether he would surf or love Motown. We know if he'd be a Yankees or a Red Sox fan. We know what kind of worship he would prefer. We know that he would, how he would feel about tattoos and piercings and whether he would wear dockers or skinny jeans. Well, we know, of course, he would wear Lulu's. But um, we know what church he'd be a member of in the valley, and we know what podcasts he would listen to. We don't have any of those problems with Jesus today, right? Amen? You guys are with me, right? You know that all of us overlay the real Jesus, with who we want Jesus to be. And this is in your notes. You see, our biases can obscure. So continue to humbly seek him. That's the answer. If we acknowledge that we all have these biases and that we just have a tendency to reorganize or restructure Jesus into who we want him to be, if we can start there, then we can continue to humbly seek him so that we can break through these obscurities. Because when we begin to harden our perspectives of Jesus, then we'll pretty much assure ourselves that we will miss something in the future. It's not that Jesus changes But the longer we walk with Jesus, the more we know about him. That's an important thing to embrace. The acknowledgement that we all have our biases 
And so we just have to continue to press forward in humbly seeking who Jesus is because it affects everything. Our understanding of who God is and how we would live and what our values and choices would be are all dictated by or they all spring from our understanding of who Jesus is. And that's why Jesus said, if you really knew me, you would know the Father. And anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So one of the observations that comes out of this text is just that, that we have a way of overlaying who Jesus is and we have to remain open to what we might discover about Jesus. The second observation that I see coming out of this text text is that Jesus can deal with our questions. He can deal with our questions. He doesn't prohibit questions or seeking to understand more or wrestling with. In fact, if, if the first part is true that our biases obscure him, then we have to continue to ask questions. And in, in that context, Jesus offers up two solutions, life-changing and ongoing solutions to discovering who Jesus really is. In verse 11, it comes out, and in other places, in verse 11, he says, Believe me when I say that I'm in the Father and the Father's in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. Jesus said that if you want to see the Father, listen to my words and look at my life. Listen to my words and look at my life. Verse 10, let's look at the words. Don't you believe that I'm in the Father and that the Father's in me? The words I say to you are not just my own. Rather, it is the Father living in me. And then he points to his works. Also in verse 9, when he says, Don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been with you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. This is not just brilliant. It is something for every Christian. And even in, if you're not religious and you're exploring Christianity, these, these aren't the essence of how to discover who the Son of God is. To reflect upon His words and to observe the way He lived His life. It's one of the, it's one of the reasons why we say here at Sunridge that we hope that you can belong before you believe. Because what we're saying in that is that, you know, there are many people that are exploring Christianity sitting in our services. And we want you to discover over time what clearly are the words of Jesus. What did he say? And what did he actually do? Because there's so many misconceptions. And along with that, we're inviting you to walk through life with us. And hopefully along the way, we can help you reflect upon his words. And maybe you can even see a little bit of his works in us. Now, there are really three responses to this provocative statement that Jesus made when he said, I am the way. And the emphasis here is on thee, right? Right? Most of us wrestle with this. So, 
The roller coaster is going to move a lot faster now. Are you encouraged? Okay. The first response, I think, both in Jesus' time and ours, is controversy. Jesus said, I am the way. That's, that's controversial. Jesus um, always created controversy. And he knows that he's controversial. He had a lot of other options in this phrase, in this statement to use. But instead he said, I am the way. It's what uh, Leslie Newbigin, a British theologian, has called the scandal of particularity. The scandal of particularity. Jesus is saying, I am the way. And so he's distinguishing himself from any other religious leader or religious system. He's different. In Matthew 7, 29, people noticed that he taught them as one who had authority and not the teachers of the law. He taught differently. And in Matthew 28, 18, Jesus cleared this up. In this simple statement, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Jesus is controversial. He was then, and he still is. See, we prefer a less controversial Jesus. We want to tame down the the in this statement. But the problem with this, and this, this is in your notes already, uh, I love this quote from N.T. Wright. He says, if you dethrone Jesus, then you enthrone something or someone else instead. See, if, if we take Jesus down from the place where, as the Son of God, he's saying, I am the way, then we, then we start to erode our understanding of who God is, and then there are other things that become honestly more important. Now, there's, there's a way of thinking about that, and there's also a way of living about that, but I think that you get that. But in order to remove some of the controversialness of Jesus, I think we, we kind of try, this is part of why we overlay some of our own persona onto Jesus. See, if you have a tame Jesus, then you haven't been reading your New Testament very well. You should reread it. And if you have a taming Jesus, a Jesus that just wants to clean you up and make you respectable and successful and, you know, uh, make you a nice church-going person, if you, if, you, if you have that taming Jesus, it's not the same Jesus. I think it's much better for us in embracing the controversialness of Jesus, whether you're religious or unreligious, and sitting in it, rather than trying to drain the controversy out of some of the things that Jesus has said or done. He's, one response to I am the way is controversy. But there, there's another click, just, just a little more than that. Some of us respond with consternation. Controversy uh, can lead to consternation. See, because when Jesus said, I am the way, that can be quite upsetting and off-putting 
it was to them, and I think to us as well today, whether you're religious or not religious. And you know, this is nothing new about Jesus. In Matthew 21, verse 23, while he's teaching, the chief priests and the elders of the people came to him. He said, by what authority are you doing these things? And who gave you this authority? Like, you're a problem. You're not just controversial. You're creating consternation for us. And then even later, his followers in Acts chapter 4, verse 18, they're told, you know, no more of Jesus. They called them in, Peter and some of the other disciples, and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. It's upsetting. Jesus said, I am the way. And you know, that causes consternation for the unreligious, certainly. I mean, who has the right to say that? In, in this time, the unreligious already had a God. They already, it was Caesar for the Romans. They already had a world system. They already had a way of orienting themselves to the world. And when Jesus steps in and he says, I'm the way, that's upsetting. It was also upsetting and caused consternation for the religious because the religious already had their traditions. The Jewish people already had their way. And, and, and they, most of all, had these self-suppositions, these, these things that they had already presupposed about who the Messiah would be. And then Jesus comes on the scene, and he's upsetting their apple cart. Things have been this way, and I don't want them to change. And you're kind of upsetting our traditions and the way we do church and the way who is in the church and who is excluded, not from the church, from, but from the temple. It's like, who's in and who's out with God? You're like, you're turning that all over. And we've understood our religion this way, and yet you're bringing this to us. It's upsetting it's controversial, and it causes consternation. And then we ask, well, that's, that, does, that seems so arrogant. But it's not really. Um, this is in your notes, too. You see, clarity is not the same thing as arrogance. Clarity is not the same thing as arrogance. Let me give you an example. If you rode a mountain bike trail with me that I rode all the time. And I knew all the ins and outs of the trails, but you had never ridden it. And you went on the trail with me. And we got to a turn. And you said, you know, we need to turn back. Which way should we go? And I said, this is the way back. Would you say that was arrogant? Or would you say, well, he's just ridden the trail. He's familiar with the trail. This is, this is the category that Jesus is in when he says, I am the way. Clarity is not the same thing as arrogance. He's saying, I am the son of God. I am in the very nature God. I've been there from the beginning. And when I speak, I speak for God. Let's just agree that in that statement, there, we could certainly take on an attitude of superiority. A Christian could. And that has done more to damage the reputation of Christians and Christianity than 
many things. But that's not what Jesus is doing. He's not being arrogant. He's trying to provide clarity. And in fact, arrogance has nothing to do with this statement. It has to do with clarity as the Son of God. Um, and pretty much, whether you're religious or not, what our human nature tries to do is we try to drain the the out of the statement. When Jesus said, I am the way, the particular way, we, we're uncomfortable with that. It causes consternation. But you know, if, if there are other ways, then Jesus paid an awful high price. If Jesus is not controversial to you, then I would encourage you to read your New Testament again. If he is, if you're wrestling with the controversy of that, I would not let that discourage me. I would say, you're getting it. You're getting what it means to be a Christ follower and the intentions of Jesus for us to wrestle with, to be upset by what he says about life and faith. You're probably closer to the real Jesus if you have consternation than if not. And just to push it just a little further. You guys okay? Yeah. All right, thanks. Thanks, both of you. <laughs> um, we're wondering if we need all that parking out there. Maybe after this Sunday we won't need it so much. But, um, You know, when Jesus said he's the way, he's not just saying, like, you know, of course you believe this creed and, and you know, have some fundamental beliefs about me. I guess the question is, like, is he the way? And are we wrestling with the upsetting part of that in our lives? Is, is he the way in my marriage? Is Jesus the way in how I handle my finances? Is Jesus the way in the way I'm raising my kids or the kind of employee I am or the choices that I'll make this week or the values that... I'm holding on to. Is Jesus the way? I think, again, the best advice I could give any of us is to sit and wrestle with the consternation of what it means that Jesus is the way, even in how we live today. The last response, and we're going quickly now, is comfort comfort. You see, Jesus' words were said here when he said, I am the way. He's saying this in the last week of his life. And there's a great deal of uncertainty, so the disciples are like, they're, they're, they can sense it. There are things happening that are obvious and explicit, but they can also sense that something's changing. They're feeling the pressure from the government and the religious community, and they just know that. And and you know when you're like that, it's like you, you're you're just on edge. 
Sometimes you can't even wrap your head around. There's so much uncertainty. And it's in that context that Jesus says, um, don't let your hearts be troubled. There's a great deal of uncertainty in your life right now. And you're wondering what the next step is. And you're wondering what's going to happen. And what will be the outcome? And what will your life be like? What will tomorrow be like? And Jesus says to them, I am the way. I am the way. I am the way to the thing that you're seeking. I'm the way through all the tension and anxiety that you feel. I am the way to all the upsetting beliefs and the creeds and the traditions that you've held that are changing before your very eyes. I am the way. When they asked, we, we don't, when they said, we don't know the way or show us the Father, Jesus is bringing them comfort and saying, I am the way. Our readiness to be comforted by that really comes down to two questions. And I think it was true for them, it's true for us. First of all, what do we believe about ourselves? And then secondly, what do we believe about Jesus? What do we believe about ourselves? Do we, do we believe the entire record of the New Testament that says that we are sinners by nature, that our sins separate us from God, and that we are hopelessly broken. Do we even need a way? What do we believe about ourselves? And then, secondly, what do we believe about Jesus? Do we believe his words and his works? Have we found in his words the life-giving truth? And have we seen in his, his example the expression of what it means to be fully human and fully living our lives in the way that God has designed us, if, we, if we're ready to believe that about Jesus, then when Jesus says, I am the way, it's, yes, it is controversial. And it causes consternation. But it's also very comforting. Because... It, because to the people who are looking for a way, it is the good news. The good news of Jesus Christ that people who are unredeemed and broken can find a place of redemption through what Christ did. And we can find a way to live our lives in the way that God has intended. It will be discomforting. It will be controversial at times and we will wrestle with that what that means but it will be the way let's pray